everyone. Welcome to the X-Men Unraveled podcast. My name is Noelle, and each episode I cover the events of the X-Men universe in chronological order. We've made it to the years during World War II, and since he's one of the oldest and most popular X-Men, all the stories today center around our boy Wolverine. Before I get started, though, I have a super fun announcement to make. I got to be a guest on a great podcast called Marvel Plus. It's a podcast all about the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, and I got to chat with the host about the second episode of the Loki series. We talked about what happened in the show and did some speculating about what'll come next. It was so much fun, and I'm really excited about it, so please go check it out. And Loki is a great show, so if you haven't started that yet, give it a watch and then go listen to that podcast. Again, it's called Marvel Plus, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've been watching all of the Disney Plus shows, he's covered WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, so you can go back and check out those episodes too. So I had a lot of fun, had to tell you guys about it, so please go check it out. Today, the comic stories that I'm covering will be pretty fun because Logan meets two famous characters from the Avengers, Captain America and Black Widow. The stories take place way before the Avengers ever assemble, but it's cool to see Logan's ties to heroes outside of the X-Men team. I'm going to assume that anyone listening is aware of who Black Widow and Captain America are. They're such a huge part of the movies that they probably don't need much of an introduction from me. So I feel like it's safe to assume if you have downloaded an X-Men podcast, you know who's who in the MCU. Um, if not, and maybe I should give backgrounds to all of the Marvel characters I talk about, um, let me know. But let's go ahead and jump into the comics. In the late 1930s, Logan crosses paths with a young Russian girl, Natalia Alyanova Romanoff, better known by her later codename Black Widow. She's often also called Natasha, so if I switch at any point, that's why. Um, it's different names at different times in different comics, so sometimes I switch them out for each other. This story is told in Wolverine Origins number 9 and Black Widow Deadly Origin number 1. Natalia was orphaned in 1928 when a building burned down and her mother gave her to a Russian soldier named Ivan Petrovich to care for. Petrovich basically becomes her foster father, and about 10 years later, he sends her to a school run by a man named Taras Romanov. No relation to Natalia. Romanov, or Romanov with a V, is also the name of the former imperial family of Russia. They were executed in 1918 during the Bolshevik Revolution, but as much as I want to shoehorn a way to talk about the Romanovs into this episode... Romanoff in the comics is explained away as a common name, so Natalia probably has no direct tie to the Imperial family. Probably they left the door open a little bit. So not long after Natalia is sent to school with Taurus, Logan is on his way to work with Taurus Romanoff as well. He's sent by a mysterious man named Romulus to train under Taurus as a spy. While Logan is on his way to meet up with Taurus, he ends up in a train car with a young girl, unaware that she is Natalia Romanoff. The train is attacked by a group of bandits. They stop the train and start murdering everyone on board. It happens like a scene straight out of a western, um, even though it's Russia in the 1930s. 
Logan protects Natalia, and they hear people in other seats being murdered in cold blood uh, by the bandits who are attacking the train. As the bandits are making their way from door to door, they hear them get to their train car, and Logan is ready to fight. But when the door opens, it's Taurus. Natalia runs up to him and calls him Papa, and Logan learns that the bandit leader is the man that he's supposed to meet up with. Logan is shocked at the violence and asks Taurus why he did it, and Taurus tells him that he has spent his whole life working as a spy, and so he has more secrets than God, and if his enemies learned that he had a daughter, they would come after her to get to him. So he carried out the crime and all of the murders to fake the death of Natalia and Logan to put anyone following them off their track. They'll think they're dead. And Taurus tells Logan that this is his first lesson, and we get an idea of how dangerous and cold Taurus is. So the three of them get to Taurus's residence, and he starts training Logan in espionage, teaching him all his tricks and contacts and all that fun stuff. Logan says later that he stayed with Taurus for two years. And while he's there at night, Logan trains Natalia to fight so that she could protect herself if anyone ever came after her. He shows her the martial arts skills that he learned from Ogun, and she was an extremely good student, even holding her own eventually against Logan in their sparring sessions. The two of them spend a lot of time together and grow really close. She's still a young kid, and she gives him the nickname Little Uncle, and Logan calls her Princess. But despite how peaceful the whole setup seems, Logan is there on a mission. So like I mentioned, he's there on the orders of a guy called Romulus. I don't know exactly when he met Romulus or how he was chosen to spy on Taurus for him, but Romulus is a shadowy figure that follows Logan for a lot of his life. The details aren't explained and Logan doesn't understand them until later in his life, though. Supposedly, Romulus is immortal and has been alive for centuries and was once even a Roman emperor. Romulus, like most people, is interested in Logan for his mutant abilities, but that story comes later. For now, Logan's just working for him. He doesn't understand that Romulus has a personal interest in who Logan is and what his abilities are. He's just following orders. But Logan is there because he's supposed to be checking up on what Taurus Romanoff knows, and Taurus isn't supposed to know that Logan is working for Romulus. So one night, after Logan's been there for a while, they have this relationship built, he asks Taurus if he knows who Logan is working for. Taurus tries to lie and say no, but Logan picks up on a subtle change in his behavior and knows he's not telling the truth. Shortly after this, one night while Logan is in bed, Taurus comes into his room demanding to know where Natalia is. But Logan doesn't have any idea, and they start searching and find the guards surrounding the house murdered. Logan goes out to keep searching for Natalia, but when he gets outside into the forest surrounding the house, he's stopped. Natalia has a gun pointed at him. It had all been a setup, and Natalia was supposed to kill Logan for Taurus. But Logan tells her that Taurus is already dead. He killed him, and he's been on an undercover mission the whole time. Turns out Taurus knew too much, and so Logan had to take him out. Despite being pitted against each other, Logan and Natalia don't blame each other. They both understand that each of them is following orders, and the relationship they've built survives their temporary hostilities, and they both move on from their time with Taurus. Natalia goes back to Ivan Petrovich, and Logan back to his wandering life. 
but these two cross paths again not too much later in Uncanny X-Men number 268. So, in Uncanny X-Men number 268, it's 1941, and Logan is back in Madripoor. We're going to keep coming back to this place, and you're going to see why I got so excited that it showed up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, um, but of course, no mutants showed up yet. Anyway, while he's in Madripoor, Logan comes across Captain America caught up in a fight with a group of ninjas who Logan recognizes as members of the group called The Hand. I mentioned them a few episodes ago, but they're a dangerous criminal organization whose ranks are filled with well-trained ninjas. The group formally began operating in feudal Japan centuries ago. They also have mystical elements to their goals and powers, and they worship an entity known as the Beast. Honestly, I think they would fit pretty well in the Phase 4 MCU with all the mystical elements of Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch and now with Loki... Um, but I don't know. I just keep looking for ways to try and figure out how the mutants are going to show up and be introduced, if you can't tell. I'm really stuck on it. But no matter what, the Hand is a dangerous group, and they come against Marvel heroes over and over throughout the years, so I'd be surprised if we don't see them soon, at least. Captain America is having a pretty hard time fighting the Hand, but his ass is saved when Logan shows up. Logan fills Cap in about who the ninjas are fighting for, so he must have come across the hand during his time in Asia so far. Together, they take out the ninjas, but after they're killed, the bodies of the hand ninjas dissolve into nothing. They just disappear. I tried to figure out what they do to have their bodies dissolve like that, but I started getting really worried about my search history, including questions about dissolving bodies, so no answers on that, sorry. Anyway, after the Hand are defeated and dissolved, Logan and Cap formally introduce themselves and set a date to discuss taking on the Hand. Later that night, Logan arrives at Seraph's bar in Madripoor to meet up with Cap. When he gets there, the first people he sees are a couple of Nazis. One of them is Baron von Strucker, the guy he punched and beat up in Scotland in the last episode. Honestly, we can't get rid of this fucking guy in these stories. I feel like the writers just didn't want to give too many Nazi characters their own storyline or name or something, so they've just used Strucker over and over and over again. But that's just my guess. I don't know. So Logan starts a fight with Strucker and one of his buddies, but then Seraph steps in and stops them because she doesn't want chaos in her bar. And somehow, if you remember, um, Seraph is supposed to be dead, but she's alive and well again after she supposedly died at the hands of Sabretooth about nine years before this. Don't ask me how, Seraph seems like another character like Silver Fox, who really only exists to further Wolverine's story, so hers never seems to get fully fleshed out. I mean, she is pretty badass. She runs a bar in Madripoor, dealing with all of the nefarious characters there, scheming and carrying out plots in the city, so I feel like she could have some pretty interesting stories of her own. And she also looks way different in this comic than the last time I talked about her. Um, last time, she was tall, thin, platinum blonde hair. In this comic, though, she's much smaller and appears to be a little person. Other than that, she's still blonde, still pretty, but don't ask me why the difference is there. It seems odd. Um, 
But, you know, we're just going to have to settle on the fact that she's one of Logan's girlfriends, so we can't get caught up in little details like her actual height. I'm really bothered at Sarah's treatment, guys. It's Silver Fox all over again, and I'm just super annoyed. But whatever. Logan's at the bar to meet up with Cap. But when he gets to the table, there's another man there as well, Ivan Petrovich. It turns out Cap is in Madripoor to help out Petrovich, and since they're fighting against the Hand, Logan wants in. By this time, the Hand and the Nazis have formed their own little axis of evil and are in the middle of cementing their alliance. Petrovich reveals to Logan that Strucker has abducted a young girl that he's responsible for, Natalia Romanoff. Petrovich didn't meet Logan in the last story, but he knows at least about Logan's presence at Taurus Romanoff's and that he is important to Natalia, so that's probably why he's okay bringing in this random dude off the street into their plans. So the three of them come up with a plan and ambush a car that the Nazis are transporting Natalia in. When they realize they're not going to escape, the Nazis say that they will keep the girl or nobody will, and so they start shooting at the car to kill her. Logan shields her with his body, taking the bullets, and Natalia is saved, and Cap and Petrovich pull her out of the car. They don't know that Logan has healing powers, and they leave him behind thinking that he's dead and trying to get Natalia to safety in a hurry. They decide to go to the American consulate, only to find out that they've been betrayed, and Strucker and some of the members of the Hand are already there waiting for them. The three of them are captured, and the American consul agent reveals that he plans for the U.S. to ally with the Nazis against the Bolsheviks in Russia, and they plan to use Natalia as a spy to help carry out their plan. They're going to have her be like an inside agent in Russia. So then Strucker and the Hand take them to a hideout, and the Hand takes Natalia to their leader, and he's wearing these fancy green robes, so we know who's in charge, and he plans to train Natalia and shape her mind to follow their goals. He tries to force Natalia to kill Cap and Petrovich, and it seems like the leader must have some sort of telepathic powers to compel her to raise a sword above Petrovich, even though she doesn't want to. But Logan arrives just in time, breaks the sword, and kills the leader of the hand. He, Cap, and Petrovich then have to fight their way out with Natalia, but of course there are heroes, so they get out pretty easily, meeting up with Seraph, who drives them all to an airfield. Cap and Petrovich are going to take Natalia back to Russia and back to safety. Before she leaves, Natalia calls Logan little uncle and says that she fought the hand as hard as she could. Logan says, did fine princess made me proud. It's all quite adorable. A little too much. But before he leaves, Cap says that he and Logan make a good team and he wants to work together. But Logan turns him down and says that he works better alone, heading off into the sunset. This story was published in 1990, and 16 years later in 2006, some more detail was added in Wolverine Origins number 16. It turns out that Natalia wasn't as helpless a victim as she pretended to be. She was actually on a mission from the mysterious Romulus as well, and her job was to kill the leader of the Hand. She apparently had every intention of carrying out this plan, but Logan stepped in to keep her from having to murder someone. He makes a comment that he tries to keep his friends from having to get their hands dirty. And she's still a kid. He doesn't know that she's going to be, like, the best assassin ever, so he's just trying to look out for her. And in the Wolverine Origins series, we also learn 
that Logan and Seraph were working for Romulus at this time as well, and that's why Logan ended up in the same place as Captain America and Natalia in the first place. Romulus wanted Logan to gain Cap's trust, see if he could be turned to Romulus' side, and if not, then at least try and replicate the super soldier serum that Cap gained his superhuman abilities from. There's a whole bunch of threads in this story, and we will get into all of those next. So Logan's run-in with Cap and Natalia has more behind it than is originally explained. In Wolverine Origins number 16 to 20, a lot more detail is given and adds a lot more darker elements to the story. Logan, Seraph, and Natalia are all under the orders of Romulus, and he's busy trying to stop the alliance between the Nazi Baron von Strucker and the dangerous group The Hand, because that evil alliance is going to cut into Romulus's power, so he planned to use Natalia to take out the leader of The Hand and send Logan to deal with Strucker, and that's how Logan ended up in Madripoor in the first place. Strucker managed to escape Madripoor after the chaos of the fight between Logan, Cap, and the Hand, and at the start of the Wolverine Origins series, he's made it back to the Nazi military stationed in northern Africa. By this time, though, Strucker has also formed his own paramilitary force called Hydra. That name, again, might sound familiar if you uh, keep up with the Marvel movies, and yes, it's the same organization. At this time, its existence is a secret from even the Nazi leaders, and it's only loyal to Strucker and his goals. Strucker has taken Hydra to Africa for his own nefarious plans in 1941, and that's where we're going to pick up Logan's story. Canada entered World War II in 1939, two years before the United States did, and it seems like Logan joined up with the Canadian military at the start of the war, so he's been fighting in a battalion known as the Devil's Brigade. Once again, he's fighting under the command of Silas Burr, a mutant also known as Cyber. We met him several episodes ago when he trained Logan in World War I, and he's got superhuman strength and durability, as well as some psionic powers that he uses to track and manipulate others. He's also got healing factors like Logan that make him able to recover from injuries easily and extends his lifespan. So in 1941, Logan is assigned to join a secret U.S. strike called Operation Blue Boy in Northern Africa. This takes place before the U.S. officially joins the war in December of that year, so the whole mission is covert. Logan is picked up in Northern Africa by none other than Nick Fury, a major figure in both the comics and unforgettably played by Samuel L. Jackson in the movies. At this time, he's a sergeant in the U.S. military. Fury picks up Logan so that they can rendezvous with Captain America and the rest of his squad. Cap and his men are part of the covert U.S. operation, but things have gone bad pretty much from the start. Their plane was on its way to Oran, Algeria, uh, but they had a long flight path, and many of the planes who went that route ran out of fuel, and the one carrying Captain America did so as well. So now he and his men are stranded in enemy territory. Fury and Logan make it to the crash site with a group of British forces, and Fury sees that the Americans are pinned down by a small group of Nazis. Logan rushes in on his own and takes out the Germans surrounding the American troops. His mission is that he's trying to get close to Captain America, so he's basically trying to show off for him to prove that uh, they should team up after all. 
So Logan finds Cap and tells him that he's reconsidered the offer to work together and wants to join forces. But Logan's initial refusal gave Cap time to find Bucky Barnes. You might recognize him from the movies and TV show as the Winter Soldier. At this time, he's part of Captain America's squad and basically his right-hand man. Bucky isn't happy at Logan's appearance and doesn't trust him either, so he just punches him. Cap gets mad and tells Bucky and the rest of his men that he's not going to tolerate any dissension. He then extends an offer to Logan to continue on with them to Jerba, which is an island off the coast of Tunisia, to continue their mission. And they are going after Baron Von Strucker. Logan and Bucky are at odds, but Logan has his orders from Romulus to stay close to Cap, so he joins up. First, Logan, Cap, and the rest of the soldiers have to make it across the desert to reach their objective in Jerba. It's a grueling hike in the sun with no cover, but Cap takes charge and keeps everyone going. One important thing to note in this story is that Captain America is new on the scene at this point, so he's still proving himself to the military and the other soldiers. They do finally make it to Jerba and are able to take out the Nazi camp pretty easily, with Cap leading the way. Bucky uses the fight to sneak away and go after Strucker because he has different orders than Cap. Apparently, the U.S. government gives Bucky the jobs that might get Captain America's hands too dirty. Can't have the symbol of the United States assassinating people. Only killing out in the open, I guess? That's fine? I don't know. Logan, seeing that Bucky's objective is lining up with his own, thinks that maybe Bucky is working for Romulus too. And honestly, it doesn't seem too far-fetched. Bucky's kind of acting pretty suspicious. But Cap leaves shortly afterward in a jeep following Bucky, who's moved on to his objective to kill Strucker, and Cap isn't happy to be left out of the loop. Logan, keeping to his mission of staying close to Cap, grabs his own jeep and follows along too. Logan does catch up with Cap at the Hydra stronghold, and they start looking for Bucky. They're making their way through the complex and come across a very Nazi-esque Hydra rally. Strucker's at the podium, all the Hydra soldiers are in formation, in lines, standing at attention, listening to him. And then they see Bucky being led out to the speaker's platform as a prisoner. Captain America immediately wants to jump in and help, but Logan stops him because he realizes that Bucky has let himself be captured in order to get to Strucker. So when Strucker walks up to Bucky in order to execute him, Bucky headbutts him, kicks him in the face, and manages to kill him. But now, he's killed their leader and stuck in front of the Hydra troops with his hands tied and no way to escape. Logan and Cap jump in and fight the Hydra agents, but even with them, it's not looking good because there's way more Hydra soldiers than they can handle, and Logan starts to worry that they're not going to make it out. Luckily, in comes Nick Fury and his troops to finish off the Hydra outpost. Fury followed along with the other troops to help complete the mission. While Logan is taking cover from friendly fire, um, he sees that the Strucker that Bucky managed to kill was actually just an imposter, and now they have to track down the real Strucker, who they know has to be somewhere in the facility. So the leaders split up with Cap and Fury going off together and Bucky and Logan teaming up. Bucky and Logan are both 100% suspicious of each other, so they want to keep tabs on what the other one is doing. Logan still doesn't know what game Bucky is playing, whether he's working for Romulus or whether he's just following orders from his United States superiors, but he decides he doesn't have time to figure it out and knocks Bucky out to go after Strucker alone. Logan finds Strucker pretty easily in an office, and when Logan corners him, 
Strucker isn't afraid at all. All he does is sit at his desk and hold up a phone receiver to Logan, saying the call is for him. Logan is really confused, doesn't know what else to do aside from answer the phone, and when he does, it's Seraph on the other end of the line. She tells Logan that the plans have changed. His job now is to assassinate Captain America and Bucky, and Strucker is to be protected at all costs. Logan is torn because he's really come to respect Captain America, and he doesn't like Strucker, especially since he's a Nazi and all. And I wish I could say that Logan does the right thing here, but he follows his orders to protect Strucker. He makes an arrangement with Strucker and pretends to capture him and takes him to Captain America. He also picked up Bucky along the way too, and apparently they've got a truce going. So with their prisoner Strucker, uh, Captain America, Logan, and Bucky Barnes load him up on a U.S. plane and get out of there. But Logan is following Romulus's orders and has his own plan in action. He had Strucker send in some fighter jets in order to take out uh, the plane before they got back to U.S. or Allied territory with Strucker. The plane is shot down in the desert. Captain America's fine. Bucky was shot in the attack. And while the two of them are trying to sort things out, Strucker, Logan, and some new faces corner them. One of them introduces himself as Baron Zemo. He's the character that Zemo from the MCU is based on, but he's not super important for now, so we're going to leave it at that for now. Anyway, now Logan has no way to hide that he's been betraying Captain America. As he tells the story decades later, Logan says that he figured Cap could escape from Zemo, and if Logan didn't protect Strucker, then Seraph would be in danger. Cap is obviously not happy and actually beats the shit out of Logan, um, but Logan did leave him a way out. He didn't tell Strucker or Zemo to watch out for Bucky, and Bucky is hidden on a ridge with a rifle. He uses the first shot on Logan and then takes out a couple more Nazis, but Zemo and Strucker manage to escape. Captain America and Bucky leave Logan behind, and Logan ends up so mentally distraught at his actions and his betrayal of Captain America that he loses his memory of them and all of the events as his mind tries to heal its own wounds. That is my last story for today. Honestly, it's not a great look for Logan. Um, he's definitely gotten himself into some shit following Romulus and ending up on the side of Nazi Varen von Strucker, um, and then he betrays Captain America in the process. I feel like in most stories, Logan usually comes out the good guy, um, but this one definitely changes things up, and I didn't know this story before I started reading for this episode, or that he had personally trained a young Black Widow, and if only Disney had owned the rights to the X-Men I would have loved to see Logan alongside Captain America and Black Widow. But these were definitely some fun reads, so I hope you enjoyed my overview today. Next time, we'll cover a few more stories of Logan during the war, and then we'll start getting into more and more important characters from the X-Men. Thank you so much for listening. It's so much fun to do this podcast, and I appreciate every single listen. If you do enjoy it, please rate it wherever you listen. It really helps out the show. And don't forget to check out the pod's Instagram at X-Men Unraveled. I am also catching up on the blog, slowly but surely. So if you want to find transcripts or find links and comic lists, check out xmenunraveled.wordpress.com. 
That is all for today. And remember, if you find yourself on the same side as Nazis, you're on the wrong side.